It is good to worship together today. It is good indeed. I want to remind those of you who are worshiping online with us, we are going to come to the Lord's table in just a few minutes if you want to prepare the bread and the cup at home so that you can partake with us. Today we conclude a sermon series which has stretched several weeks now, a series called The Healing Savior. We've been looking at many of the healing narratives in the Gospels. And today we're going to look at one that's quite famous in John chapter 9. And while we'll have the whole chapter in mind, I want to focus on verses 1 through 12. So I'll read John 9, 1 through 12 from the New Revised Standard Version. And the title of my sermon is Adjusting to the Light. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word. Help them to hear your word and Lord help us all to do your word I pray in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord amen I have never flown a plane but I am told that pilots must keep the horizon in view Otherwise, they may experience spatial disorientation. Spatial disorientation is when you don't know which way is up and which way is down, so you don't know which way to maneuver the plane. This is devastating for navigation and can be very dangerous for pilots and their passengers. Kylan Dempsey, who writes under the name Admiral Cloudberg, recounts the story of China Airlines Flight 006 in 1985. The plane was on an 11-hour journey from Taiwan to California. 
that was cruising at an altitude of 41,000 feet over the Pacific Ocean when there was a malfunction in the number four engine. This led to a series of events that the pilot struggled to handle and the plane ended up spiraling toward the ground out of control. While some of the problems were mechanical, another problem was the thick cloud cover in which the plane was flying, which prevented any clear vision. The plane was spiraling toward the ground at an alarming rate of speed, and the pilot could not see the horizon. He had no visual points of reference that could reorient him. It seems to me that many of us have been feeling a sense of disorientation over the past 18 months, struggling with an inability to see clearly, having difficulty navigating the way forward, maybe even a feeling that things are spiraling out of control. I've gotten this impression reading the news, scrolling through social media, and talking to people in personal conversations. Last week I read an article by Rachel Lisner that discussed how religious content on Instagram has been drawing legions of followers lately due to the collective trauma we are all experiencing. One creator of such religious content, Kyle Hyde, was quoted in the article as saying, the world is so crazy, nothing makes sense anymore. All meaning is breaking down. No one knows how to act with each other. And we're so alienated and the computers are dividing us through the algorithm and like, you just got to surrender to God at this point. Maybe the massive challenges, changes, and disorientation over the past 18 months have produced an opportune moment to turn to God, to look to God, to fix our eyes on the God who saves. I think the story of the blind man in John 9 offers valuable insight along these lines. His experience with Christ glimmers like the morning horizon, offering inspiration and illumination for us all. It's important to recognize that blindness in this story functions as a metaphor for misunderstanding, disorientation, and the incapacity to exercise clear spiritual perception. Unlike other blind persons Jesus encountered, this man was born blind, which would have made it particularly difficult to bring him sight. Jesus isn't restoring something that has been lost, but enabling the man to see the world in a whole new way. While the man is enabled to see, it turns out that the other characters in the story, the disciples and the Pharisees, are actually the ones who don't see things very well. From the outset, the disciples ask, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born like this? They see misfortune as invariably resulting from personal or specific sin. So either this man must have sinned prenatally in his mother's womb, 
or the parents must have done something wrong in order for him to have been born blind. Tragedies, whether global in scale like the current pandemic or localized and personal in nature, often elicit wrong-headed attempts at theological explanation. I once heard the scholar of preaching, Unju Mary Kim, tell a story about a woman in South Korea. The woman was a committed Christian and active in her church. She had a wonderful son who was highly intelligent and went away to study at a prestigious college. Tragically, while he was in college, he died in a drowning accident. His mother was devastated, and her grief was compounded when she went to church, and people there told her she must have done something wrong, something sinful, for this to have happened to her son. As a result, she left the church and ended up departing the Christian faith altogether. Her church friends made the same mistake Job's friends made when they insisted that Job must have done something wrong. He must have sinned to deserve the terrible misfortunes he was experiencing. Her church friends made the same mistake the disciples made here when they assumed the man must have been born blind because of some sin that he or his parents had committed. One lesson in all of this is that many times it's better to offer no theological explanation than a bad one. Instead of assigning the man's blindness to his or his parents' sin, Jesus says the man was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. In other words, God is not against this man who was born blind. God is going to do good works in his life. Jesus reveals again and again that God is a God of love, a God of grace, a God of mercy, that God attends to the marginalized, empowers the disadvantaged, and blesses those who are struggling. And what Jesus conveys about God outshines all other theological explanations. He says in verse 5, I am the light of the world. It's the same thing he said earlier in John 8. I am the light of the world. Light is that by which we see everything else. So, as the light of the world, Jesus is that by which we see everything else. He is clarity for our cloudy vision. He is enlightenment for our misunderstanding. He is illumination for our disorientation. He is bright hope in the midst of our spiraling struggle. He sheds light on all things, especially the face of God. Jesus shows us God's heart, God's mind, God's way, God's identity. It's all there in the words and works and personality of Christ. He and no one else. He and no other source. He and no other authority is the light of the world. 
The phrase, light of the world, evokes Genesis 1. When the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, God said, let there be light. Light was the first manifestation of God's creative, life-giving activity as the light of the world. Christ is creating things again, giving new life and providing fresh illumination. The man born blind is a case study showing how Jesus is the light of the world who enables us to see. But this isn't a neat and clean process. In verse 6, Jesus spat on the ground, made some mud, and rubbed it on the man's eyes. This action evokes Genesis 2, when God created human beings from the dust of the earth. Likewise, Christ is renewing humanity, recreating humanity by using the dust of the earth and his own saliva as a remedy for the blind man's eyes. He tells the man to go wash in the pool of Siloam, which he does, and he comes back able to see. The result, it turns out, is not merely physical vision, but also spiritual perception. The man not only sees, but he comprehends who Christ is. Meanwhile, the religious folks who think they know it all do not see clearly. The Pharisees say in verse 16 that Jesus is not from God. They say in verse 24 that Jesus is a sinner. They do not see Jesus as the light of the world, which is why he says in verse 39, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. While the religionists are blind to the light of the world, the blind man sees when Jesus opens his eyes. Have you ever come out of a movie theater into the afternoon sun? I don't like paying the higher rate for the 7 o'clock or the 9 o'clock showings. So I like to, you know, go to the the 1 o'clock or something like that. So I've come out from the dark theater into the bright light of day many times, and it always takes my eyes a little while to adjust to the light. Likewise, this man adjusts to the light of the world gradually. We can track his increasingly lofty assessment of Christ throughout the chapter. In verse 11, he calls him the man called Jesus. In verse 17, he calls Jesus a prophet. In verse 33, he says Jesus is from God. And in verse 38, he calls Jesus Lord and he worships him. This reminds me 
of a Christian woman out in Berkeley, California, who gradually came to the light of Christ from an atheist background. As a biochemist, her job is to be curious and ask questions about life at the molecular scale. But at one point, she noticed something was missing in her life, so she started to ask questions on a much bigger scale, questions about the existence of God. I first became agnostic, she said. Maybe there's a God, but we won't ever know. Then her observations of the beauty of life led her to believe strongly that there is a God. Next, she started listening to sermons online, and when she moved to a new place, a friend invited her to church. She started attending church regularly, and she started praying, and gradually she adjusted to the light of Christ. Now, she says, God, through his love and forgiveness, provides me with purpose, strength, hope, and healing. This woman could say with the formerly blind man in verse 25, one thing I know, though I was blind, now I see. None of us sees everything upon our first glimpse of Christ. We don't see the light in all its fullness at first glance. There is a process of gradual growth. This is why even after we become Christian believers, 2 Peter 3 says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We grow by learning more and more about Christ, by walking with Christ daily. We grow also by shining the light of Christ upon all aspects of our lives and allowing him to illuminate every corner of our consciousness and every dimension of our existence. We put the light of Christ on our learning at school. We put the light of Christ on our discernment at work. We put the light of Christ on our social media feed. We put the light of Christ on every news source we consult. We put the light of Christ on the way we interact with other people people, our romantic relationships, our friendships, and our family dynamics. Light for clear perception is available for all who look to Christ. If you feel that you are stuck in thick clouds with limited visibility, look to Christ. If you feel that you are not able to see clearly enough to navigate the current circumstances. Look to Christ. If you feel disoriented and don't know what to do next, look to Christ. If you feel that things are out of control, look to Christ. If you feel that things are spiraling, look to Christ. Which brings me back to the China Airlines flight 006 from Taiwan to California. The plane was malfunctioning mechanically, the pilot was struggling navigationally, and the aircraft was spiraling downward from its cruising altitude of 41,000 feet. 
The plane was out of control, and the conditions were so cloudy that the pilot was overcome by spatial disorientation. The plane fell 30,000 feet in two and a half minutes through thick clouds. When it had plummeted down to an altitude of only 11,000 feet, and when the pilot had tried almost everything he knew to try, the plane came through the base of the clouds into open air. At that critical moment, the pilot was able to see the horizon. And when he did, he regained his bearings and he was able to restore control of the plane. Remarkably, the plane landed in San Francisco about an hour later and delivered all 274 passengers safely to the ground. Clear perception was key to their salvation. This is what Jesus does for us. We are all beset with inadequate vision, especially in cloudy and disorienting conditions. But when we look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, when we look to Jesus, the Lord and Savior of the world, He becomes the light by which we see everything else more clearly. He becomes the source of visibility that reorients our souls, gives us our bearings, and brings us safely to salvation. Through Christ, the light of the world, we know where we are and we know where we're going. He is clarity for our cloudy vision. He is enlightenment for our misunderstanding. He is illumination for our disorientation. He is bright hope amidst our spiraling struggle. He is the light of the world that gives us clear visibility, secures our salvation, shows us the steadfast love of God that will never let us go, and brings us to safe landing in the end. Thanks be to God. Amen.